Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Financial Dads Podcast. My name is Paul Fagan, and I'm here with Jody Fisher. Hey, Jody, how are you doing today? Hello, Paul. How are you? Doing well. Fantastic. This podcast is for all the dads out there who struggle with life's topics as they are related to family and finances. Our hope is that we can provide our thoughts, successes, and mistakes and share them with all of you. Um, before we kick off the podcast this week, I uh, just want to do a little uh, update on downloads and such. I'll spend less than a minute on this. Uh, thank you all, all, all of you out there for your subscribership. Uh, we're up to uh, 1,250 downloads. So that's great uh, for being open such a short amount of time. Uh, we appreciate you listening. And notably, there's a lot of countries out there, different countries. I, I'd have to go through the exhaustive list of where we're being downloaded from. But today, we'll just say hello to Dubai and Dublin, Jody. So we're getting global reach when nice. it comes to the podcast. There are struggling dads everywhere. Hello to you all out there. Yes. <laughs> and, and I appreciate everyone who's been listening. And like I said, Jody, I've been evangelizing the podcast because it's such a great topic as a conversation starter with colleagues and friends. And and it inevitably, when you talk about podcasting, the next question is, well, what do you podcast about? And then we talk about personal finance. And everyone has some level of attraction to personal finance, I think. Uh, maybe not enough to subscribe, but a lot do. Uh, well, I do have a lot of friends and colleagues that will say, oh, I'll give it a listen. And, and hopefully you continue to listen. But if you listen just once, like I always tell them, uh, give me your feedback, good and bad, because that's the only way we grow as, as podcasters. Absolutely, 100%. 100%. So uh, I love, love getting beat it. up. We've given, we've been beat up on audio levels, so I apologize for folks out there. We've had to kind of uh, adjust their volume doing our podcasts. Uh, the ones that are really hanging in there, your troopers, for putting up with us. So, But I think we are finally in our stride in terms of audio levels and such. So uh, thank you, and we appreciate it. And check out the the Facebook page too. We po we try to post stuff on a daily basis throughout the week, little snippets of the actual podcast um, with some video. You can actually see Paul and I in our glory in our uh, homemade studios. Um, but we'd love to get some feedback on the the Facebook page as well and get a conversation going there because um, you know with all the backlash on social media and you know social media can be such a toxic place, but. The, the, our Facebook page, we want to keep it a, a really positive place um, to share ideas, share tips, tricks, um, whatever you got. Um, you know, throw in your two cents on the Facebook page. We'd love to hear it. Very cool, Jody. I forgot about that. So, yes, please listen to Jody and, and let's see if we can get some more subscribers on Facebook and see if we can get some dialogue going there. So um, I know that was more than a minute, but thank you for listening. Um, our topic today is very interesting. We're going to discuss the family vacation um, and in terms of planning vacations, saving for vacations, vacation destinations. There's all kinds of topics when it comes to vacation. So we're just going to kind of dive in. We're probably going to be a little bit all over the place today, but we'll just kind of dive in like we normally do. And maybe we'll have some subtopics for future podcasts out of here. Uh, my current situation with vacationing, Jody, is we don't vacation well as a family. We like a good road trip. I've had the kids on a plane once. They're 9 and 15. We just don't travel well. We try to travel once a year. And uh, once again, I'm thankful and grateful that I don't do a lot of financial planning around our vacations because our vacations, I would say, are not that grand. Maybe that's the wrong word to use. But we get in, we go to Vermont every summer, the end of the summer. That's what we've been doing the last five years. We go to Vermont, we stay at the same place, 
We rent the same condo. We go to the same restaurants. We do the same things. Kids love it. We've tried to switch it. They've had nothing but pushback on that, so we keep Vermont going. This past summer, my wife traveled on her own with the kids to Washington, D.C., and the kids had a blast. Um, uh, drove into D.C. And, and stayed at a hotel and, and didn't move the car the whole week because you could travel around D.C. very well on public transportation. So for us, um, the planning starts early. And even though I don't worry too much about how much it costs, I do like a good deal. So if I see typically the resort we go to, if they have like a $300 savings, if I book the trip in March, I'll do it. So that's something that I'll do. Uh, one year we did go to Disney uh, with, with dear friends. We had the best time at Disney. Um, shout out to Ken and Holly. Um, amazing time. Amazing time. But it is one of those trips that, for, for me, it, it, it really, it's so much to do, and it does get pricey. And I always wonder, and once again, we're, we're lucky that we're, we're thankful and grateful for what we can and can't, you know, what we can do. And I'm sometimes I'm just not sure how everyone gets to do these trips, you know, because you see so many millions and millions and millions of people going. And you just wonder how people are able to pull off um, these trips sometimes, you know. But, Jody, I'll, I'll hand it to you. What's your current situation when it comes to vacationing yeah we're our family pretty similar paul you know pre-kids and this is going back 10 years because our oldest is is 10 um you know we went on those you know two those two people no kid two salary splurgy vacations right we've done europe and we've done beaches we love beaches right so we honeymooned in, in tahiti which was just amazing one of those over the water huts was just like you know, talk about out of a postcard. It really was. So you, know, you travel done, well, Joey. We've done those even things. before. Yeah, we, even we before travel me and, pretty well. Me and my yeah. wife got married. <laughs> we, we never traveled very well, uh, but you travel well. So I'll let you continue. But that's pretty cool. Like I would. I, that's part of me would love to go to like an Italy or a, or a Tahiti and stuff like that. But I, I interrupted. I'll let you go, go forward. Uh, but that's great. Yeah, we've been a, we've been a few places, but you know, when you have kids, and I think everybody can identify with this, you start to scale back a little bit, both because um, of your budget, uh, or, and you know, the, how much these things cost and also the challenges of traveling with kids. I mean, when you have little babies, especially you got to pack, you know, uh, a U-Haul <laughs> to get, yeah. to get down the block, you know, with the diapers and the wipes and the pack and play and the toys and the thing. And the, it's just, it's too much to take on a big splurgy vacation like that. And it would frankly turn, I think a splurgy vacation into a nightmare. So it's it's almost like uh, we're not going to bother with that. Let's just go do something simple. And so you get into that rhythm of scaling back and being simpler and simplifying your life. And, um, you know, it, it's it's both for financial reasons and for just, you know, emotional, <laughs> emotional, reasons. pure sanity, so not driving yourself crazy. Right. Um, and so we got into a similar rhythm that you described, Paul. You know, we we have our annual summer trip to Maine. Um, we go to the beach in Maine for the past seven or eight or 10 years and, and, uh, a similar expression, you know, that last year when we were planning the summer trip, we're like, why don't we go somewhere else? And the kids were like, no, we want to go to Maine. So, uh, it, kids just have that. I think kids get into that rhythm too. Kid, and kids like, um, what's the word? Kids like certainty, right? They, and familiarity. They yeah. Familiarity. There's the word. Exactly right. Um, and, and Maine now is getting so popular that we actually joked this past summer we have to find somewhere new to go because it seemed like everybody in the country was in Maine this year. 
Um, I could see but that. But <laughs> now, right? But now that they're a little older, the kids are a little older, they'll travel better too. There's, you don't have to pack all that stuff. Um, they can do a little more time in a car or, you know, they can even, we've been on a, we were on a plane with them earlier in their lives. Um, uh, not so much recently to the point where my son doesn't even remember when he was on a plane. Um, and so different kind of trips are now on the table. So different things are coming into focus, like a a trip to Disney perhaps, or going to different beaches again, because just because we love being on a beach, but we can start to ramp up the places that are further away. And so that starts to open up the conversation, pivoting back to why we're all here, um, saving for those vacations or budgeting for those vacations, making sure that we're not, um, going hog wild or even just spending beyond what we're capable of paying um on a on a vacation that's just a little different yeah i think that's key right and i think that's a good lead into the discussion topics right so for me when it comes to budgeting and planning once again macro level micro level i do have some level of budget i know i have an idea of what the vacation is going to cost because it pretty much costs the same for us every year and and so we have it typically at the ready to go. And it's just part of the cost of doing business. Um, planning the bigger vacations, I think for us, if it comes down to the planning, it becomes very challenging. Um, and you could go into all kinds of tangents here, but for us, simply the planning is key. What I keep telling or what I keep hearing from people is you have to plan early and you have to plan um, often. So you have to keep looking and making sure that you know, you're getting deals, you have to monitor. And once you lock in a deal, you have to make sure that you're ordering all the other services. So for Disney, for example, my understanding for people um, that go to Disney a lot, you have to go and, and, and book your trip super early, right? And then once you book it super early, there are certain attractions that you can't book until three months out. So you set a reminder in your calendar, okay, three months out, that particular day, I have to book that component of the trip, right? Um, flights, booking them early. Um, Travel insurance, I know that's another topic. Um, I'm not a big believer in it, but I guess some people do. That's something probably for another podcast. But um, for us, it's all about making sure that it's budgeting and planning going hand in hand. You have to do both. You have to do both very well. So you have to make sure that you're, you're spending wisely, you're spending within your means, but also planning appropriately. So Everything is lined up when you get to that destination, especially for the bigger trips. What is your thoughts on planning and budgeting when it comes to travel, Jody? Yeah, I think, Paul, you opened up you opened up two lines. You opened up two lines of discussion there, the budgeting and planning and then the actual calendar planning and when you're booking things Um, and and just a couple of ideas. I think, number one, we try to make our budgeting for vacations just like any other thing that we budget for throughout the year. Um, and we, and we, we dedicate a line item in the budget for just a small amount of money every single week or every single paycheck that dumps into a lockbox kind of a savings account or an envelope in the drawer or whatever it is. So you're building up that money over time because time is your best friend when you're saving up for big things here. Um, and you're saving up a certain amount of money because you know you're going to go on that annual vacation or you know whatever time of year comes around and you're going to have to dip into a pot of money that it's there. And even if it and I've said this with other things too, even if it's not 100% of what you need to spend, maybe it's 50, maybe it's 30. Um it's something there. So I think number one using time as your best friend to regularly put aside money 
for that vacation that's coming up, I think is, is really important. Um, because what you don't want to do is make it an impulse buy. And Paul, you talked about the strategy and I agree with you here, the strategy of, you know, buying, whether it's hotels, you know, booking hotels or booking flights or booking whatever at the times where things go on sale and you get the best deal. I'm all for it. My wife is great at that. I stink at it. She's awesome at it. Um, so, uh, but, but making sure that the money is there when that deal comes around, um, it's, it's, it's going to make it a lot easier on you. You know, if, if you see a great deal for a, for a, uh, airfare and you've got half of that airfare sitting in an envelope in your drawer, Wow, that makes that decision a whole lot easier than going, oh, put the whole thing on a credit card and we'll pay it off. And, you know, we disclaimer, I don't like putting anything on a credit card. Um, and especially if I don't have a plan to pay it off uh, immediately, immediately. So uh, I think you need a budget and plan. And, and like you said, work your calendar and use time as your best friend to save up for those things that you know are coming. Yeah, that makes sense. That's very well put. I think today we're going to shift into different topics. So we're going to switch topics to the staycation concept. The whole idea of being able to stay home and use your time and, and do local destinations, whether it's amusement parks, visiting local cities, whatever. Um, I think for us, the closest we came to a staycation is probably towards the end of our Vermont trips, where there's a few days left. And on the way home, we'll stop someplace that's reasonably local. Or if we have that weekend open, we'll make a run into Manhattan, walk around Manhattan. There's so many things to do. I don't care if you're in New York City. If you live in New York, you live in Idaho. There's always places that are local to you that are probably worth exploring. And you'd probably, if you dig deep enough, there's probably really cool things going on that are right under your nose. Because chances are people are, are traveling totally to you. <laughs> chances yep. are people are traveling around you. So... Getting your arms around the staycation is kind of cool, and it's definitely something where you don't have to worry about hotels. You don't have to worry about flights. Um, the planning, uh, yes, you still want to do your planning, but I think from a cost perspective, you probably get your biggest value. Um, Jody, what are your thoughts on the staycation concept? I totally agree. There are great things right next door to you um, that, you, like you said, Paul, people travel to us sometimes, you know, to our, where we live. Um, to experience the things once in their lives that we have access to every single day. Um, the staycation concept is great. And it doesn't have to be just stay home for a week. You know, you can stay home. You can go get a $99 hotel room, you know, drive a few hours to just a different neighborhood or a different state. And we live, you know, in the Northeast, so it's really easy to get to like six different states in a day. Um, stay overnight one night and just do a one-nighter. I mean, we did one night. It, it was a long way to drive, but just for fun. We went up to Maine for a weekend. That's a five, six-hour drive from where we are uh, in one direction. Um, but we didn't. We stayed overnight one night. We had a blast. We came home. Um, that's, that's just as good in my mind, especially with kids. Uh, as long as you plan and you, you know, get them fun things to do, just as good as taking a week and blowing a couple thousand dollars you know, going somewhere far, far away that involves a plane and, and everything else. Staycations are awesome. It's all what you make of it. Yep, and I totally agree. We, at one point, I forget how we wound up in this position, but we wound up doing a staycation where we did an overnight stay at a local hotel. We took advantage of the pool during the winter. We ordered room service for dessert and watched a movie. It, it really was kind of cool to kind of do that overnight trip and just get people 
Um, just get the kids, people. Get the kids. I'll give you, I'll give you a great. Ex- I'll give you a great example. What I was, I, I just remember this, right? So I, I'm probably five years old, and my parents pack us in the car. We drive to a motel. Um, we, there was a pool in the back. We stayed there one night. We got back in the car the next day. We drove to another uh, hotel uh, that was uh, along the Jersey Shore pool there again and there was a boardwalk and there was rides and there was everything else i get older and you know i'm driving i'm driving around and i realize that the first motel was 20 minutes from where from our house where i grew up and the second one that i just described was an hour away in my mind in my five-year-old mind that was like a major vacation my parents didn't drive more than an hour <laughs> so <laughs> it's all it's all what you make of it and, and see it through your kids eyes too you know, see it through the eyes of the people who are going to be experiencing experiencing it. It doesn't have, it does not have to be a YouTube influencer adventure, right? <laughs> Somewhere exotic for kids. All it's got, usually for our kids at least, all it's got to involve is either a pool or a beach, and you know, maybe some cotton candy, <laughs> and they're yeah. good. Yeah, and, and that's an interesting concept because that you hit upon. It's that whole social media aspect. Uh, what I noticed online with social media is just sometimes you have people that are constantly broadcasting their trips or and look how perfect my life is and you feel like wow i don't do anything which is well i really don't we really don't travel but it is funny to kind of see that and i think sometimes that contributes to people feeling bad that well i just went down the street and i just did this simple vacation but no you're right if you're looking at it through a child's eyes um is amazing because i remember when we did that staycation overnight at the local hotel my son was a big swimmer at the time and he just loved it like every aspect of it right getting into the pool like we got into the room put our bags down and like you blinked he was like a mini superman he went into the bathroom then came out just bathing suit right like he was ready to go right and ba- we didn't even put the bags down and he's ready to go to the pool so i i see what you're saying and i think he was like five or six at the time and he just had a blast so it was just a lot of fun just a lot of fun so right and that's cheap and that's cheap i mean if we're not gonna have budgeting again that's cheap driving three hours to a place you don't normally go to spend an 89 or 99 or 109 dollars on a on a hotel room you know that is that you feel comfortable sleeping in obviously but spending a you know spending 100 bucks on a hotel room you're gonna buy food anyway so that's factored in uh, you know and just doing a little adventure seeing something you don't normally see and you probably won't see again and see it through your kids eyes it's it's awesome yep and one of the regrets that I'll have, and it just kind of popped into my head as you were talking, Jody, is I probably haven't done enough vacations with the family, and that's going to be a regret. So for those of you out there who have younger kids, the vacation is what people and the what people the kids are going to remember. And they might not remember all the toys they got every Christmas or some of these other things, but they probably will remember the trips. The trips are going to make them who they grow up to be. Yes, and I think the, the trips, trips are going to make them who they grow up to be, and like you said, remember, and uh, and and that's going to sort of bubble up in inside of them throughout their lives. Yep, and so that goes down to make time for the family vacation. Like we're saying, even if it's a couple of overnights or you could do something grand, doesn't matter. Take time out of your schedule as needful in the course of a year, and and try to get those vacation moments in with the family because take it from me you blink they're gone (laughs) and you're gonna have a tough time wrangling kids when they're older 
um, to, to come with you on trips. So it's just something to think about. Um, but we'll switch gears again. And I think that's, it, that's going to, when is it the right time to buy a vacation home? To potentially buy um, something that the family enjoys and loves. Now, Jody, you say you go to Maine. So maybe it's at some point you guys have thought, and I know I've gone through this. Every place I go, I pick up real estate magazines. And I say, oh, it'd be great to have a house here. But is it really great to have a house here? Or is it more emotional when you're in the moment? And if you're looking to bake that big purchase into a home, whether it's on a, on, on a shore or on a beach or on a lake or in a city, whatever that is, do you buy versus rent? So what are your thoughts when it comes to the big purchase? I know for me, I've waited more than a few times buying property upstate New York, down in Florida, and I just couldn't get my arms around the math, number one. And number two, at the time when I was looking, I couldn't get my arms around or get my head around two mortgages. And I almost pulled the trigger on something back in 2007, and I'm glad I didn't. Because as the economy started to, to falter, having two mortgages at that time would have been really tough for, for my family. So, Jody, what are your thoughts when it comes to the big purchase? Have you considered that? And, and give us a little background, because I think you probably have a lot, of, uh, a lot of insight here. And I know we joked where I found a bed and breakfast up in Maine and, and sent it to you, and you were like, done. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> at one point like and, and just as a joke but i think you guys probably would probably buy up there so what are your thoughts when it comes to the big purchase yeah i i agree with your philosophy paul i i would never have i would never have two mortgages that i had to pay for on a regular basis buying a second home you can buy it in cash awesome go for it if, if it's going to make you happy do it um the emotional uh, piece of it or sort of the, the, the experiential piece of it is, is I always weigh it as, okay, if I have a second house, uh, anywhere, I'm not going to want to go anywhere, but that second house, because I'm want to get, get, I'm going to want to get the maximum value, the maximum use out of it. And then, you know, our summer vacations in Maine aside, do I really want to be locked into feel emotionally locked into going to that same place over and over and over again? Probably not. And how many times am I really going to get there? Five times a year, six times a year. Do I really want to pay all that money for that? Um, that's just me. Um, so I say, no, own one house, own the house you live in all the time and, and spend your money on vacationing in lots of different places and have lots of different experiences. Um, that's for me. But if, if somebody wants to, somebody's got a pile of money and they want to buy a second house or a piece of property or whatever, you know, go for it. Just don't, as you said, Paul, lock yourself into a long-term commitment that could um, either financially or emotionally tie you into that second property. Yep, and I agree. Um, I would, I'm the same way. So I would not buy a second piece of property, but I have plenty of friends that have. And a good example is a really good buddy of mine. He owns a beautiful small house on the Jersey Shore. And when he bought the house, I know that, you know, he could afford the house. He wanted the house. And when you talk about these different concepts, the one thing that outshined all of his reasoning was he had three kids at the time that were, you know, less than 10 years old, I think, when he bought the house. To this day, all the kids, except for one, are graduated college. They're moving on in their lives. They're getting married. They're getting fiancés. They all congregate at the beach house every summer because he's got the cool beach house, right? So for him, 
that's what he thought would be the reason why he'd buy the house because he bought it in such a cool place that the kids would want to come home every summer. He gets to see them. Probably too much. That's a great reason. That, but that's a great reason, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's a great reason to do it. Yeah, and so for him, he does get a little rental income out of it every once in a while. Um, but fundamentally, he bought it knowing that it's not to make money. It's to en- enhance the family experience beyond his kids, probably going into the grandkids, right? So, you know, you dial the clock ahead 10 years from now. He'll have grandkids at the house. And I know personally, I've been to the to his house. Lovely place. Been there with friends. We've played golf out there. We barbecue. It's just such a cool thing to have. Now, you he is stuck with all the maintenance and the taxes and the upkeep and all the different things. But he wouldn't change it for the world. He and loves having that place as that's a congregation awesome. point. So for those of you that were on the fence about it, it really becomes emotional. If you could go past the financial, first of all, I think it's two-stepped. As you said, Jody, you got to buy it within your means and you know you could afford it. So it's either with a tiny mortgage or no mortgage, you buy it. And then once you have that uh, step, the step two is, are you going to get that emotional value out of the home? And if you think you will, then go for it. So I think that's uh, a great segue into something else, which some people can't afford to buy the big home. And I know I've been on trips on my honeymoon and such. And I was tempted by timeshares. So on my honeymoon, I went and we went for the uh, $200 resort credit. And we went to the timeshare uh, seminar that was being sponsored at the resort. And I got to tell you, Jody, I'm pretty strong-willed. I almost went in. Went all in on the timeshare. We pulled back. I said, you know what? We just got married. We don't need another payment. Uh, logic for me got the best of me emotions i was able to put them aside and i said you know what thank you for the 200 dollars resort credit we're leaving now thank you for the free food uh, but we're leaving now and we got out of there i have other friends that haven't been so lucky they they've gone into uh some of the timeshare experiences but some of them are very good so for those of you out there if you're going to buy a timeshare and i'm not recommending them but if you're going to buy one i would say the disney points timeshare plan that uh, Disney World uh, and Disneyland and the Disney company offer is probably the best one you're going to get that adds the most value. And once again, if you're a family that's traveling every year to Disney and you want to take advantage of the different properties or even go to the Magic Kingdom every year, every two years, whatever, there could be value in getting points. But in general, most of the people that I know that have gotten to have uh, timeshares um, or have bought timeshares, they get stuck with them. They call them stuck and they can't get out of them. So Jody, I'll let you jump in on this topic of timeshares. What are your thoughts when it comes to timeshares? Well, I see timeshares as, or, or as the industry calls them, vacation ownership. Um, I, I see timeshares as a second home, right? Or yeah, the, what we were just talking about, the, you know, the vacation home or the second home or whatever. Um, and so philosophically and emotionally, I don't want to lock myself into going back to the same place over and over and over and, over and feel obligated to do that because I'm paying for it. Um, so I'd rather say thanks, no thanks um, to the to the timeshare option in the same way. I would say thanks, no thanks, even if I had a pile of money to the to the uh, vac- second home vacation home. 
Um, in fact, I'd even probably opt for the, the vacation home more because it is a piece of real estate. And more often than not, the piece of real estate is going to appreciate in value or at least stay stay level. So if I'm looking to take my money and stuff it somewhere where I can both enjoy it for a little bit of time and then unload it when I want to unload it, you know, at a, either an appreciation or, or definitely not a loss, um, I would opt for that vacation home. But but I'll, I'll, I'll do the hard pass on the timeshare. Thank you very much. Yeah, Jody, I have to agree. I take a hard pass on the timeshare as well. So we're going to shift into the last topic for today. And, and once again, we'll probably break this out into several subtopics over time. But the online travel sites, such as uh, Travelocity, Priceline, and then in addition, other sites like hotel sites, uh, tourism sites, um, everyone's planning their vacations now online. They're trying to get the best deal. They're trying to get the best bang for their buck. For me personally, I don't use Priceline. I don't use uh, Travelocity. I don't use those sites. I go direct. If I need to go on a family vacation, I go direct to the hotel. I go direct to the car rental agency if needful. I go direct to the airline. Whatever's needful, I go direct to that place. Right? I might not be getting the best deal, but I feel that for me, I know I'm getting reliability. Because I've heard some stories about some of these travel sites, you get the best, best deal, and then you read the fine print, or you get there, and you're you're bumped because you're low priority in, in terms of getting your seat assignments. There's a lot of things that could happen. I could be completely off base, Jody, and maybe you can enlighten me. What I do use the, the online presence for is to book directly with the hotel, with the car rental agency with the airline. I also use it for tourist activities. And if I could buy tickets in advance to see the Washington Memorial, whatever that is, I will do some of that in advance, but I do it direct with the sites that I'm looking to shop with. So if I'm gonna stay at the Holiday Inn, I go to the Holiday Inn site. So Jody, what is your thought when it, thoughts when it comes to Travelocity? You may have a totally different experience than me, um, but what are your sites, what, are your, what is your thought uh, when it comes to Travelocity and some of these online travel sites? Yeah, I think they can all be great. I mean, I'm, I'm going to have to confess a little bit of ignorance here because my wife is the booker in the family. She's the one who can go online, find the deals. She does the research. Um, she, she blows me away sometimes with what she's able to find and the deals that she's being able to find. And so I have to confess a little bit of ignorance on you know how you even do this. Um, I'm all up for the travel aggregator sites, whatever you want to use. Uh, I think they're all out there. I think it allows you to comparison shop. At the same time, I think it also kind of points out that m maybe everything kind of costs the same, or maybe that's the effect that all these sites have had on prices, that they've, they've, they've kind of brought them all in line, and there's really not a lot of variation. Um, that's just a guess on my part. Um, but I would say that... that all these sites allow you to do better research um, and, and find good deals. And then maybe even, Paul, to your point, um, find the deal online and then go direct to the hotel and say, hey, what can you do for me? Or go to the directly to the airline and say, hey, if I did this or that. I don't know. I'm just guessing there because I, I'm not the, the member of the family that does the booking. Um, but but do, use, use them to the degree that you feel comfortable using them and, and, and do your research and and go for it. Cool. Yeah, and, and me, I have to plead ignorance as well. I don't use those sites a lot uh, in terms of, I, well, I'll take that back. I don't think I've booked on those sites. I've only heard the rumor of those sites. So for those of you out there, please disprove me. Maybe they're great. 
and I'm just missing something. Um, I'm with you. I think that all these different sites have leveled the, the playing field when it comes to pricing. So if you go direct to the Hilton or you go direct to Holiday Inn, you probably will get plus or minus a few percentage points of, a, of the same price that you find online. But we'd be interested to hear your experience with online travel and, and make me a believer in it. So please post your comments and such onto the Facebook page or drop us an email and we'd love to hear from you on that. So I think with that, Jody, we'll probably go into our, our, our recap at the end of every episode. So for me, I think my biggest takeaway is planning early, making sure that if you're going to make a big trip or big purchase around a trip, book it early, book the calendar, you know, get it in the calendar early, start planning around it as early as possible to get the best deals. So Jody, what are your recap items for today? Yeah, Paul, I think that um, planning is a must, like we talked about. You've got to define your budget and stick to your budget. You know, don't don't get nuts spending on a vacation because you think this one thing is going to make it perfect or this one thing is going to be the thing that they remember. And it's just it's just way outside of your means to pay for it. Don't use credit cards um, and, and definitely don't use credit cards without a plan to pay them off. Like we've said before, you know, I've. I don't use credit cards, but for certain types of purchases, um, a vacation might fall into that when we're buying something that's a big chunk of money, um, but we'll always have that chunk of money to pay it off immediately uh, or very, very soon after the vacation. Um, and, and it's just a matter of the transaction of putting it on the credit card and then paying it off for, for obvious reasons. Um, just be realistic about your vac- vacation. I think that's what we talked about the most here, Paul, today. It's be realistic about where you're traveling, what you're doing. Um, don't overspend. Do what you can do. Focus on the things that you think are going to make a memorable and a fun vacation. It can be an hour from your house. It doesn't matter, especially, I mean, if you have, you know, with, with little kids especially, you know, between, between 2 and 10, um, we talked about it. It's like half the time it's all about the pool or it's all about the height of the diving board, or it's all about where they can get the cotton candy. They don't care if you're in a hut over the water, um, you know, or whatever. You know, give them a, give them, you know, a beach and cotton candy and a roller coaster, and my kids are happy. Um, in fact, they don't even like the roller coaster, but that's, that's, uh, that's separate. Um, <laughs> and don't get Instagram envy. Do not get Instagram envy. If you shut down your Instagram when you're, pay- when you're planning your vacation. Because you'll look online and you'll see all these people doing all these fabulous things and you think you have to do it too. And then you throw a bunch of crap on your credit card. You turn around, you drill the $4,000 hole in your credit card and you have no plan to pay it off. That's just a bad way to vacation. Do the things that matter. Wow, Jody, that might be the best recap you've done to date. Thank you. I learned a lot just in the last. So if anyone wants to just skip to the end, just go to the last minute and listen there and you got it all. So thank you, Jody. That was perfect. So, well, I thoroughly enjoyed our discussion today, and I'm personally looking forward to the next one. Thanks, everyone, for downloading our podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at financialdads at gmail.com or check us out on Facebook. Just go to financialdads.com. So with that, this is Paul and Jody reminding you, managing finances can be stressful, but that's why the Financial Dads are here to help you plan for success. Have a good one, everybody. Be well, and thank you. (laughs) 